Dig into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. I'm your host, Brian O'Grady. With me, my co-host, Justin Ayers. It is almost midnight here in Osaka, Japan, playing at the Koshin Stadium here, which is pretty cool. That's the big high school tournament. That's a big deal um over here good atmosphere there but uh man what's been going on jay how you doing i'm good man i'm still trying to come down from my my memorial day weekend uh did not put enough sunblock on but i did i did a cool i did a solo vacation went down to the beach i sat down there on the beach and, and it was fantastic uh went down to virginia beach and it was it was really cool because like you know i got to get away just like relax and then i went to like you know, of course, I have to find the, the closest baseball game going on down there. So I went to the Norfolk Tides. They're playing the Gwinnett Stripers, which is the Braves AAA team. And I hadn't been to a AAA game in like probably 10 years. And it was just really interesting because like, and I was texting you about this uh, a couple of days ago. It's like the mix of players that are in AAA. It's fascinating. It's like the, your top prospects that are on the MLB pipeline. Then it's like undrafted guys. And then it's guys with like 10 years of MLB service time that are still down there. And it was just fascinating. Like I'll, I'll run through a couple names that are, I saw down there. It was like Delino DeShields Jr. Was playing for the Braves AAA team. Uh, Hernan Perez has 10 years of service time. He's, he's there too. And then Nick Vincent, the relief pitcher, who's like the Phillies, Mariners, Padres, I think. He's 35 years old and he was there too. But it's like, I was just, I was so fascinated by this. And, and I know you spent a little bit of time in AAA there throughout the course of your career. But like, when you think back to your time there, like, what do you remember about like the mix of it, like the atmosphere? Like, what do you remember about AAA? AAA is a very different place than it used to be. Uh, it used to be guys who have been around, guys who've been up and down. You know, those they're still going up and down. That was mostly what AAA used to be. Nowadays, you have that mix of your most of the time they make those top prospects or whatever playing triple a before they go to the big leagues now a lot you know where years ago a lot of times it would be from double a right to the big leagues but you that's what you get you get that guy who's got a lot of or a good amount of service time in the major leagues you get the guys who are up and down you get the guys who have just been in triple a or been in minor league baseball for a while and now you have the mix of the young guys um, who are still trying to get there or gonna get there they're just finishing finishing off their you know minor league stuff so you really do you get all of it there it's it, nothing surprises me in, in triple a anymore it's uh you know double a you have maybe some more raw talent and ability but in triple a it's more polished um you know the guys who've been around they, they know how to play they know how to pitch um so it's just a it's a higher level of baseball, maybe not as flashy, but just a better overall level of, of baseball. But yeah, you never, you, you're going to see a lot of guys, a lot of names that you might recognize in AAA for sure. It caught me so off guard because I, I was just like, it, it was a lot of, I, I'd forgotten about where some of these guys had went, like Delino DeShields Jr. I'm like, 
wait, what, really? And then uh, like Nick Vincent had a 0.7 ERA last year and he had to sign a minor league deal at age 35. So it's just like, it just caught me so off guard. The baseball was great. The tides won. So shout out Norfolk tides. Uh, did you say you played in Norfolk at some point? Oh yeah. Played in Norfolk that yeah. Internationally played everywhere there. Yep. Played. Yeah. And we also played against old dominion in college, which is in Norfolk. So stayed at the same hotel we would stay at when we played Norfolk. I hate Norfolk, man. Uh, there was gale force winds blowing off the day when I played there and I was absolutely raking when we went there. And first at bat hit like a no doubter Homer blown down with the warning track caught up against the fence and I was pissed off. And then uh, I forget if it was my second or third at bat that game, but did it again. But I wasn't even when I hit it, I was like, fuck, because I knew it was going to get knocked down, even though it should have been a homer. And it sure shit did run on the warning track. So I hate Norfolk. Hate it. Harbor Park, yeah, located in the scenic part of Norfolk where it's like industrial shipping <laughs> and then foghorns going off every five seconds. Uh, it was it was cool. But uh, yeah, I, I, I love minor league baseball. And that's the cool part about living where I do, where it's like with I'm within like an hour, two hour drive of like a dozen minor league baseball teams. So it's it's fun. It's affordable. You get to get like your chicken tendies and your giant soda. And it's like ten dollars. So, you know, it's there's you can't beat it. No doubt. Always a good time, minor league baseball. Now for this week, for our sponsor, the original Fudge Kitchen, we're going to do the fudged up moment of the week, sponsored by the original Fudge Kitchen. You can find them at Fudge Kitchens with an S, fudgekitchens.com. They ship fudge, saltwater taffy, tons of sweet treats all over the country. It's phenomenal. If you're one of our Jersey Shore or Philly, and you're going to the Jersey Shore listeners, they have stores in Wildwood, North Wildwood, Cape May, Ocean City, and Stone Harbor. So be sure to go check them out if you get a chance. The original Fudge Kitchens, and you can find them on fudgekitchens.com. They ship all over the country. The fudged up moment of the week really hurts. Really, really hurts. It is my alma mater. Rutgers University, the baseball team got absolutely snubbed, absolutely snubbed, and was not given an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. They finished second in the regular season in the Big Ten. I'm I'm trying to find it right now so I don't mess any of this up. They finished second to Maryland, who got an at-large bid in the big 10 regular season. Um, They won 45 games. They went 45 and 15. It's pretty, it's pretty good in a power five conference. Then what really bothers me about it too, is in the big 10 tournament, they were the two seed. They swept to the finals. So in the tournaments, it's supposed to be double elimination. Now I don't have the answer to exactly why I know they finished 10 running Indiana in the semifinals at like two in the morning because of some sort of lightning, something that was going on. But the next day they played, they ended up playing Michigan in the final and Michigan had a loss and Rutgers didn't have any. And yet Michigan only had to beat them to win the title. 
So I'm not exactly sure what the ruling was there, why that that happened. But man, I just feel terrible for these dudes. They had an, I mean, that's a, that's a phenomenal year. Best year in program history. It's the, I'm small, most wins in program history. Um, Steve Owens is the new coach there. I think this was his third season. If you can even count the COVID year, uh, obviously really doing some good things there, but for that group of, that group of dudes, some of them, what bothers me most is, uh, first of all, this isn't, you know, obviously I went there, so it hurts me more, but all the, you know, analysts and experts all had, all had them in with an at-large bid, whether they won the tournament or not. So I'm sure that those guys thought they were going to be in the tournament. So when they lost that game in the, in the big 10, in the big 10 championship, and you'll, you'll hear in our interview with, with Nate Lowe later, he talks about it too. Those guys played their last, some of those guys played their last college baseball game and had, had no idea, had no idea that, it was going to be their last game. And that's, that's really sad because it is, it's a bittersweet moment. Um, some of those guys, it might be the last baseball game they, they ever play. Some of those guys are probably going to be lucky enough to, to play professionally, but man, that's just, it's heartbreaking. I, I, I remember like yesterday, I knew we smoked. I knew it was my last, <laughs> I knew it was my last college game. I knew it was my last at bat. I struck out because I knew it was my last at bat. And I couldn't even think. So I feel terrible for those guys when they realized that it was over. And man, what an incredible season. They also, on top of the, I'm sorry, their final record was 44 and 15, 17 and seven in the Big Ten. They led the country in runs scored. They were second in doubles and runs per game, third in hits, fifth in batting average. And broke the program record for wins, runs, home runs, RBIs, and staff. And there's that's just what they listed right there. So, shout out to the Rutgers baseball team, and also, and I I don't even I don't even know who to yell at, but I don't I don't know how they're not in that tournament. It just sucks because like I was reading about this, and it, it just sounds like the Big Ten they were a casualty, a, a, like a result of like a bad Big Ten overall. So, but it, like they shouldn't be held responsible just because the conference sucks. It's like the the only other Big Ten team to get in apparently was Maryland, who won the the Big Ten. Um, so yeah, it's like it's you know it's like the college football playoff argument every every winter where it's like oh this team should have got in where it's like well you know strength of schedule their their conference was bad so it's like I don't know if I don't know if that should be held against these guys especially you know program record eight players with all Big Ten honors. They led all power five programs with 22 road wins. It's like, you could just read for like days that the, the accolades and the accomplishments that that Rutgers team had. And it just sucks that they have to be on the outside looking income tournament time. These do, I mean, the, these dudes could play, they could legit play. They have guys who are absolutely going to get drafted. Um, it's, it's, it's a shame. And, and it's what bothers me is, is I know the big thing that I saw was that, um, people were talking about Ole Miss getting in. Now, Ole Miss is traditionally a very good baseball team. I think they had a little bit of a down year. Sure, they have some really good players on their team, too. 
but just because they play in the SEC and the SEC is is probably looked at as the king of conference of college baseball doesn't mean they automatically get in there. I want to say they didn't even make it in the SEC tournament. I think I saw that somewhere. I could be wrong, but I believe I saw that somewhere. Uh, it's to me, it's a there's a, there's bias towards baseball in the Northeast, and it's just it's showing you. It's showing you right there. These these guys deserved it, and it's a shame, man. Uh, um, what an unbelievable season. Sorry, sorry it had to end that way. And I know uh, I speak for the rest of the Rutgers alumni when when we say that we're we're very proud of of all they accomplished and uh, all the guys that'll be back. You know what the future looks like for sure. Yeah, I mean that's a great point too. Where it's like there is that kind of like Northeast baseball bias, and the same thing in football too. Where it's like you don't really hear anything about the teams from that part of the country. It's all SEC. It means more, you know, conference of champions, that kind of stuff. So uh, that just, that's, that sucks yeah. that they were, you know, the result of that. Um, so I have one last, last thing for us and it's a new segment. It, we're going to call it the breaking bats guest tracker. So we're going to take a look at the week that our previous active player guests around major league baseball have had we got to, you know, add, we're going to add Nate Lowe in next week, but right now we have five guys out there, every single, you know, between the lines, given it their all. So Joe Musgrove had one start last week. He uh, one earned run, struck out seven in a no decision against Pittsburgh. So Java Joe still, I think he has like a sub two ERA, just kicking ass. Uh, I would, I would really say, good. how much of his success do you think is as a result of him coming on this podcast? You think? I can't, I, you know, I can't take all the credit for that. Joe is just a really good pitcher, a really good competitor. We know he told us all the things that he was doing to, to get even better, man. But I, I'm just, uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Andres. He, he deserves it. Um, hopefully, I'd love to see a little extension go on there, but that's not, that's not for uh, me to talk about. But, uh, man, We'll just say we uh, we we play any role in in his phenomenal season that that he's he's having. He, he's the best. Yeah, I, I love watching him pitch now. Uh, sticking in San Diego, Eric Hosmer went six for twenty three last week. Uh, had a pretty good week there. One guy I'm really excited to talk about is Frank Schwindel. So I don't think we really talked about this, but Frank's had a, a you know an up and down month of May. I think at one point he was sent down to Iowa City. And he was like middle seat Southwest on a flight, maybe back. I think it was, it was a weird couple of days. He came immediately back because I think somebody went on the injured list and they, they needed the, you know, another player. But ever since then uh, he's just been on fire last week, eight for 30, two homers, eight RBIs. He had two homers in one game, by the way. And, uh, and then the week before that had a, like a game winning home run. Um, I, I saw a quote from Frank where he said, I think I was putting a little too much pressure on myself early and I was trying to replicate the, the success I had last season. Um, so, you know, he scuffled in the month of April. He's kicking ass in the month of May. Have, have you been keeping up with Frank the Tank? Yeah, of course. I've always checked out what Frankie's doing. Real quick about Haas. Haas, pump for him. Still mm-hmm. still going good. Uh, love that. Just, just love to see that, uh, you know, his adjustments are, are doing him well. Frank, man this is like the blessing and the curse of what he did last year, because what he did last year is probably not sustainable. I mean, that was 
on he was just hotter than the sun unreal um so it, it like he said you put that that kind of pressure on yourself it's like you set the bar at, at it's just so high that it's almost impossible to you're like well why why am i not doing this anymore well because you hit 350 with like 15 homers like it was it was unreal that's what i said about uh randy rosarena after that playoff run too i'm like this poor guy like yeah, now, now he's always going to have the opportunity, but also people are going to be like, well, why isn't he hitting like that? Because no one ever does for like fucking Barry Bonds. That was the only guy. So, yeah. But Frank is, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad he's doing, he's doing well again. And yeah, man, <laughs> tough, tough uh, turnaround, but when you're going back to big leagues, it doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm glad he, he's back to, to beat himself because he, he can definitely swing it. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's kicking ass right now. Uh, our guy, Adam Frazier, uh, uh, just as an aside, uh, I went out and I bought an Adam Frazier Mariners Jersey, the, the, the old school teal one. So, uh, I just big, big Frazier guy. He, uh, six for 25 last week. Uh, but last night on Tuesday night, he was two, uh, two hits, two runs. And apparently that he's had 10 multi-hit games in the month of May and a five game hitting streak. So just the model of consistency, uh, Mariner second baseman Adam Frazier. It's the best. He's great. Frazier's the man. Frazier swim, puts the ball in play, man. He'll be fine. Uh, whatever his numbers are right now, he'll end up right where he always ends up by the time the, the season's over. And I still think the Mariners are going to make a run, and he will be a huge part of that. Our guest, Nate Lowe's Texas Rangers, are also hanging around. They're, 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 I think the Rangers are right around 500. It's like Rangers and, and Mariners are in that three, four spot in the AL West. Uh, that could be a fun little thing to keep an eye on. And the Rangers, the Rangers have talent, you know, Mark, Marcus Simeon hasn't played like he's, he's capable of playing. So as soon as he starts going like, like he can, I mean, I wouldn't count them out. Uh, pitching staff. I know John Gray has been hurt a little bit, but man, that that's a, that's a good division. I, I, the Astros, fuck, I don't know. They just keep fucking rolling. <laughs> they're just, they're good, man. I don't know. They just, Jeremy Pena, I saw him up close and personal AAA last year. I knew he was going to be a good player, but man, he's playing. He's been awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good division. I know the, uh, the, uh, the A's are playing pretty well too. They're not, uh, they're not a very bad team either, but whatever. They're, uh, I still like the Mariners. I'm, I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to my guns. I like it. All right. The last last up on our, our Breaking Bats guest tracker is our guy, Matt Strom, for the Red Sox. Uh, he had a tough outing. His one outing last week was against the Orioles. Uh, he gave up a couple runs there. Uh, really had to battle through a couple really hard at-bats. But he, he had a COVID scare there for a little bit. He, he's fine, apparently. He, uh, he had symptoms, but he tested negative. But prior to all of that, he went nine straight appearances without allowing a run. So... I think Strom will be fine. Strom's nasty, man. As long as he stays healthy, it sounds uh, at least like he was telling us. Sounds like he's in a, in a good spot. He's gonna he's gonna be nasty. Hopefully the red. I mean, I know the Red Sox are playing better. Hopefully they uh, keep it rolling and turn things around there. Let's let's see uh, see that AL East heat up a little bit because that is the one prediction I made that is not looking very good right now. That the Yankees won't make the playoffs. <laughs> I'm sure all the Yankees fans on TikTok are, are still chirping me. Still going. No, I don't. 
<laughs> you know, whatever. It's ongoing. We'll yeah, say that another time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's all we have. We're going to add Nate Lowe into our, our guest tracker. It's fun to keep up with the guys. Uh, I think we have one of the best crops of guests that are active players of any baseball podcast. I, I just lo- like, if we're going to, if we could feel the full starting nine of our guests at some point, uh, I mean, we're going to be unstoppable. Yeah. We're going to be pretty good. We're going to have to get some outfielders. Um, well, yeah, you know, I have to find it and a catcher, but, uh, yes. Yeah, man. It's been, it's been a blast talking, talking to everybody we've, we've talked to so far. And yeah. So this, uh, this week we just, just finished up with Nate Lowe, Rangers first baseman, man. He's awesome. Great stories. Great dude. Uh, it's good to catch up with him. And, um, man, he had a, he, just an interesting ride through the Myers, interesting life with his family and everything like that. But, uh, just really happy he's getting the opportunity there in Texas and, and that he, you know, he had a good year last year and that he, he's playing pretty well to start this year. I know he's saying he doesn't feel great, but the dude can hit. I've seen it forever. So um, with all that being said, let's take our interview with, with Rangers first baseman, Nate Lowe. Joining us this week on Breaking Bats, we have Rangers first baseman, my guy, Nate Lowe, well, Nathaniel Lowe, sorry. Nate. How's it going, buddy? Good to see you. Thanks for coming on, man. Things are good, man. Thanks for having me on here. I'm uh, pumped to do this with you guys. Give you a little, little piece of my view. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a you got a game later today, but man, going back to how we first met, and this is always this cracks me up because we, I guess we met in Double A. You were in, uh, Jesus, what the Montgomery. Montgomery. And I was Montgomery. in Pensacola and uh, I was playing the a lot Blue of first Wallace. base. And you're, yep, you're playing first base. And I remember you started that year in, in high A, put up just some stupid numbers, Jay. <laughs> and then uh, we're playing at Montgomery and he comes up, you know, big lefty. I'm playing first. I'm like, fuck. And let's uh, look at the scoreboard and see his numbers. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Is it like 3 <laughs> 30? Pony Hall, like something stupid. I'm like, where? Who is this guy? And uh, gets you know gets on first, and we're just talking, whatever. So that's how I originally met old Nate. But then, I don't know. I guess we we got friendly just from being on first base, both of us, and just bullshitting about whatever was going on. Go to AAA the next year. He's in Durham. I'm in Louisville, and uh, you know I was playing well, and we went to. I think we went to their place and he was like kind of struggling. This is before he made his debut. <laughs> he was like kind of struggling. And I'm like, dude, what's like, what's going on? He's, and I don't remember what you were saying, but I just remember telling you like, bro, just fucking do what you do. Like hit whatever you were telling me what, you know, your approach, like when I'm going good, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, why the fuck aren't you doing that? <laughs> and like three weeks later, dude, I see it. He just goes off. I see it. Gets called off to the big leagues. And I, I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to take credit for Nate going <laughs> to the big leagues, but I just helped push him along a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Dude, you, you deserve, like, I think all first basemen, all first basemen deserve a piece of, like, hitting coach credibility, you know, because, like, <laughs> Like I'm telling you, man. Everybody, everybody at some point has to talk somebody off a ledge, a ledge. Because you get guys get that get over there like smoke a ball, get on first base, like 
I needed that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I, like, I feel you, bro. I really do. Big league hits. It hits anywhere are like the coolest. Like, you, nobody wants to get out. But you get on first base and you hit me with one of those. Like, whew, whew, that was a long one. Like, oh, it's been a couple games. Whew, it's been a couple weeks. I'm like, all right. Then this year, <laughs> this year we get a couple dudes that come through and like. I was going pretty bad, you know, like I, I had a pretty slow skin. And I don't know, I needed to go through it, like had to go through it. And uh, one of the players gets on first base. He goes, hey, hey did, they, uh, did they take your shoelaces and take your belt away from you too? <laughs> In my head, I'm like, damn, like, because I don't want to look, you know, I don't want to look. When, when things are going bad, I don't want to look. Things are going good, like. You don't really want to look either. And then all of a sudden, like maybe a week later, your numbers show up on the scoreboard because you can't miss a scoreboard in Texas. It's 800 feet tall. <laughs> oh. and like, and like, bro, sometimes sometimes you want to roll to the yard and not know, like, you know, like, hey, you know, I was hitting 270 last week. I feel pretty good about that. All of a sudden you roll in and see that OPS is looking like a slugging percentage and <laughs> you hit 225. You go, okay. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, that's the truth, dude. But yeah, you're you're so right about first base, dude. When you get on first base and you're talking to the guy, it's funny because I had the same thing with with Austin Riley from the Braves. Yeah. He was played against him in double A, like same I same things as you, you know, third base, first base he's playing and he raked. And they came to us in Louisville and I was playing first and he like walked or something. And he was it was beginning of the year, but he was like struggling bad. And he's just like saying, he's like, dude, I just, you know, can't, just can't hit it right now or whatever. I'm like, bro, you fucking rake. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, shut just up. hit the ball and then goes off now, you know. So it is, that's, that's so funny. I, never, I, I haven't thought about that in a while, but you're so right. Al, first baseman, this part hitting coach too. Sometimes you just gotta, so that, that hey man, you're all right. Week. You're all right. Same week for sure where we played, we must play. Gwinnett and Louisville in the same week because you got him hot for sure because he hit like he had some point he had some point where he hit like 12 homers in 13 games and got called up and never came back yeah you know like one of those guys that gets above the law and like doesn't doesn't ever have to experience an option it was unreal yeah yeah I mean he can swing it obviously but then player fast forward fast forward after that season I end up with you in Tampa Bay in the weirdest year of all time the and, most uh, crazy year. We both were at the alternate site for a amount of that, and we both vented to each other very often <laughs> about, about that. <laughs> and with your brother, Josh, who we'll talk about in a little bit too. But, yeah, dude, that was always cracked me up to end up, like, being there with you, and that it was just a whole funny situation. Yeah, man. Uh, ATS springs. Let's see, what was it? Spring training, and then summer camp, and then ATS or whatever they called it, and scrimmages with six players in the field facing the Shanes, both touching a hundred. Oh my god! Like we, uh, Prieto's in town right now because Tampa's here, and he's coaching first base for the big league team, right? talking about man you remember when i used to throw dylan cousins buckets and buckets of curveballs like my arm still hurts from that because <laughs> you just try and find like you try and find things to do you know like by the way 
you could play in the big leagues tomorrow. Like, hey, by the way, who'd you face? You, I remember because I remember you got activated. We're jumping the lineup, get two hits, and get deactivated. It was like, well, <laughs> now what? Yeah, we've been we've been grinding in Port Charlotte, facing Boz and McClanahan, and all kinds of characters with weird stuff like touching triple digits at 10 a.m. when it's 150 degrees out. By the way, yep. go play in a big league game against best pitchers on earth with zero people in the stands. Put your mask on. You better not take your mask off. And then go sit in a hotel and like it. And if you want to leave, that's too bad. <laughs> it was, it was a wild time, man. It really what was. But the, we, I, I don't think we had anybody on from the, that Rays team, but we were talking about it on here somehow about our alternate site and just how oh. much – like the talent of guys there was a fucking joke. It was me, you, Wander Franco, Vidal Bruhan. What other? What other? Your brother, Josh Lowe. Walls. Who else was there? Walls. Padlo. Padlo. Sullivan. Lucius Fox. Bro. That's that's a, they're all big leaguers right there, yeah. bro. And then the the pitchers Fun. were Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz, fucking Joe Ryan. Sean Gilmartin, who else was fucking there? Sam McWilliams. There was, I'm missing somebody Nick else. Was there very good? Uh, but those three back and forth sluggers. Those those three right there, just off the bat of McClanahan, Boz, and Joe Ryan. It's pretty fucking ridiculous, right there. Yeah, now, now everybody knows who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I I know we're forgetting some people too. We're 100. Yeah, we absolutely forgetting. are. Forgetting people who are like either A-list prospects or in the show right now, and like no sorry doubt. boys, but the talent was so <laughs> deep. The talent was so deep. Like it's it's no offense and nothing personal. That's just how it goes in Tampa. Like I explain that to Texas guys a lot. Like boys, you face you face a guy from rookie ball in some orgs. You know he's in rookie ball. You face a guy from rookie ball in Tampa. Like hey, he's probably spinning a hundred to the top with a pretty good breaking ball. And like, <laughs> it's, it's going to be around the zone for the most part. Like I, they just, the scouting department's so good oh at picking, my. Up, picking up those guys, like getting those guys together and getting good character guys too. Cause like, you know, yeah. we had our, we had our douchers, but for the most part, like you liked being around them. Dude, I, I have to, I remember one guy we forgot because he'll be mad at me if I don't say his name. Josh Fleming was also oh, in there. Uh, in yes, the of course. Too, yeah, so there I we go. Duh. I can't forget about Flem. Yes. See, there you go. Hey, have you seen what he's doing in, in Durham right now? No, but I'm sure he's just carving. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you guys go check that out and tell me I'll why. Look, he, I'll, I'll definitely you know, take a look. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But now look at us. I mean, we just said all those big leaguers. Now you're getting the chance to, to play with Texas and playing well. And I'm here in Japan doing my thing. So I guess it's all been working out. But Tampa boys. But, uh, <laughs> a fuck. Oh, my God. And uh, one other guy that was there for the majority of the time was uh, Randy Arrazarena, a.k.a. Oh, the yeah. greatest postseason hitter of all time. But um, 2020, almost forgot about him, too. Major League Baseball <laughs> American League Rookie of the Year, Randy Arrazarena, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was another one who was there. So, yeah, it was pretty – those were pretty good sandlot games going on in that 110-degree heat in Port Charlotte in the middle of the fucking summer with nobody with a clubby, there. A clubby playing right field and the shirtless field <laughs> coordinator playing second base telling you to run hard down the line. Hey, 
Hey, MJ. <laughs> Love you, oh, bro. Man. You want me to run when you're wearing a cutoff? That was wild. Sunscreen caked on? Nah. <laughs> it was a crazy, crazy year, dude. Crazy year. Oh, and how about, all those, right, Jay. how about those Sunday nights? One more time. That, that's all. That's all. Just, I'll, I'll let that go. Mon- uh, all I'm going to say is <laughs> Mondays were off. And when you put 15 testosterone infused, cooped up, quarantined males into one house with a couple bedrooms, a pool, and a backyard next to a lake. Yikes. Oh, man. <laughs> I lived, that's where I lived with McClanahan there. And I wanted to murder him a few times. <laughs> well, he probably went to the golf course and came back and told you how he shot 62 every day. No. He was just blowing my doors off 99% of the time I was facing him down there. And he's like my little brother. And then we would play Call of Duty, and he's unbelievable. At least he used to be. Unbelievable at Call of Duty. And I just – Is he? Oh, God. I don't know if he still plays, but, oh, my God, yeah, he was so good. He is so good. I think, honestly, in that that time we were there, I think I went one for 12 off him with 11 strikeouts and one home run. And I'll yeah. never forget that home run. And park that ball too. Yep. Sorry. Sorry about it, Shane. He could do that. <laughs> anyway. All right, Jay. Go for it. Hit him with no, the I, real stuff. I just, I just had one last, last raise alternate site question. It's like the old, remember it's like the, could Alabama beat the Browns? Could the raise alt site beat like. <laughs> all the time. All the yeah. time. We said it all the time. Okay. I <laughs> didn't know if you guys we had were, those thoughts. There were some uh, – they're just – we just had some really good baseball players there. We really did, seriously. I mean, Renee Pinto is – was catching. He's like the best framer in the major leagues when he's there. This is another one. But – uh Bazooka. Yeah, uh, it, it really was. There was just a – there were some really, really good baseball players there. Yeah. Yeah, Renee. Damn, Renee was Ronnie – what's his name? Ronnie Hernandez. Ronnie Hernandez. He's probably in AAA with the Mets or whatever. I mean, he's he, he can swing it too. I, I don't know where those juice. kids are at, but yeah, we said it. We said he got it traded. All the time. We said it all the time. Like, if the boys had a full 140 game international league schedule, like, not to go anything crazy, probably going like 138 to two. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and and we thought we thought in the fantasy world of 2020 quarantine practice ball that. Like we could probably compete in the alleys, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's what you get for stuffing those dudes in Port Charlotte all summer. Yep. Uh, the heat will do some crazy things to you, man. Yeah, <laughs> crazy thoughts. <laughs> He's fun though. It was really fun. It was. It was fun. That's fantastic. Uh, so I, I'd love to take it back. I was reading your family is fascinating. I'd love to kind of start there. Uh, your, your dad, I was reading about him. Is it true that he's like a top gun graduate naval, like aviator? Is that true? Uh, yes, that, uh, that happened. He went to the Naval Academy finished in, I think 1990. And then it was part of his, part of his flight training to be a top gun instructor. So he had to do that. And I think after you graduate, you have the choice to, whatever it is, be an instructor, going to active duty for X amount of years. And that's what he did. Um, he flew F-18s and F-14s for a long time. Um, he did opening day flyover 2004 in Atlanta. 
so he was part of the diamond of the F-18s flyover, and uh, he was late. <laughs> so he was like far, four or five feet out of position in the diamond as they were coming over center field. <laughs> so, like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was just, yeah, that was just, it didn't seem like anything crazy at the time. It was just what he did. You know, it was what we grew up with and what we learned to like, just learn to experience and yeah now now when you look back at it it's a whole lot cooler like as far as putting yourself out there for protecting other people's freedoms and putting your life and your family's life in in the line of danger when you know some people are like really content hiding behind a internet profile and saying things you know so that's just that's just where we're at with things as a whole but yeah he, he put in 20 years in the military and uh yeah he could have played pro ball decided that his calling was to go into the service and, you know, that's, uh, that's how you wound up with, you know, with my mom and with myself and Josh. I love that. I, I live in Annapolis down the street from the Naval Academy. So it's, mm. I'm a big, big Navy guy, but like, what was that like growing up? Like, did you have to move around a lot? Like, what was it like having him not there for long periods? Was that, was that hard? Um, you know, it was just, it was just a thing, you know, like we, I was born in Virginia beach and then, we moved into we moved to Atlanta in 2001 September 11 2001 we moved into our house which is crazy um he did <clears throat> a couple different places while we were there we didn't go with him and then we did go to Newport Rhode Island <clears throat> so he could finish up his master's degree at the War College in Newport and then we actually moved back into the same house in Atlanta he did Iraq in 2007 I believe and um or maybe 2008 and yeah, that was a little shorter than it was supposed to be. I think it was supposed to be nine months. I wound up being seven. Um, but yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was just one of those things as far as like, all right, well, you know, dad's gone, but mom's here and Josh and I are here and we still got to do what we got to do. And then my grandma was there too. My mom's mom was around. My dad's parents were around. It was, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things, you know. Well, I'm so curious, uh, you know, obviously with Top Gun Maverick coming out, what, what was his view and what's kind of the family's view on, on the Tom Cruise movies about that? Uh, well, he's got the first one memorized, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there are no lines, there are no lines in that movie that like, you know, I've never heard before or get referenced in a regular conversation or like get pulled out of nowhere, you know, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's excited for the new one. I've heard some pretty good things about the new one. You know, I, it's just from reading blogs and things like that, but you know, I maybe get over there and see it. We get a, we got a day game coming day game coming up in the next couple of days. I can sneak over there for an afternoon and see what's up, but yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. I just hope they didn't CGI everything too much and make these F-18s flip upside down, do all this crazy shit, you know? I saw it over the weekend. It is. I don't think I've seen anybody say anything bad about it. Uh, okay. So it's it's amazing. Brian, I, do you get American movies in Japan? Are you going to go see Top Gun? I think there's one spot that I can go <clears throat> see it, and I may. I actually may go see it because it does. It does look, I mean, the previews are pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I'd love to kind of segue into your brother, Josh. And maybe Brian sure. can help set this up a little bit. Uh, Brian, what what was it like? You know, you gave the intro story to Nathaniel. What, what was the intro story to Josh like for you? Yeah, let me hear that. 
<laughs> Josh is it's funny because they're so different. They were like they really are. Josh is uh, you know, Nate's a first baseman, third baseman. Talk it, you can play some third base. <laughs> but Josh, Josh is like center fielder, like 2020 guy, can run. Uh see, Josh is a good athlete. Um Josh and Nate interacting cracks me up because Nate is still the big brother and it's just funny to, to watch all that. But Josh, I don't remember when I first met him in spring training. I'm sure it wasn't in spring training that year. He might not have been in big league camp. I don't even remember, but um, I think me and Josh kind of, kind of clicked right away because one, we were both in the outfield together and two, I had already known Nate and he knew I knew Nate. So we kind of had that going on, but yes, yeah, so it was always funny listening to, to Nate and Josh kind of, go at each other and i'm sure it still is when they when <laughs> he, was, around yeah, each other. he was coming off a uh a little shoulder thing that's spring, so he wasn't oh, yeah uh, he wasn't ready to go until like he timed up perfect with the second spring training and then yeah, yeah he did whatever it was july 1st to uh when do we play through august july august september he did three months of poor charlotte that summer yeah <laughs> hate it for you yep but they uh what was what was your question jay what about josh no just you know because i'm so curious like what what were like growing up having you know two brothers both get drafted by the same team obviously doesn't really happen but like what what were the backyard games like what were the what was the competition like growing up uh <laughs> well it, once it got down to like an oklahoma drill wasn't a thing uh for us because i'd run them over and he, he'd come back and say, well, you were fat. You were bigger than me. It's not fair. It's not fair. And, uh, you know, like, like, that's just how it goes. But uh, when it would, when it would spread out, when we'd run a, when we'd run a spread offense and he kind of make a couple cuts, I had to hold him from time to time. I will not <laughs> lie about that. Um, there's no question he's faster than me and jumps higher than me. So his first step is probably, Somewhere around there, but you know, his first step in on on grass patrol is a little different from a infield first step. So, yeah, we we just do things yep. different, man. Like we play we play a little different game. Um, our styles are a little different, but yeah, that's that's my brother. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's insane. Like, w- when did it hit you that you guys were going to be like teammates? You're going to be in the same organization? Like, like I said, that's I don't think I've ever like that hardly ever happens. I feel like. Like, when did it hit you? Like, oh, my God, I get to go to work with my brother every day. Um, so, let's see. The draft was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was, it was still four days then. When did you get picked, though? 15? 14. 14. 14. That was four days, right? I don't remember. It was f- I think it was 40 rounds still then. Right. So, yeah. So, they did all the, all the bonus babies on day one. I think that was Thursday. Then Friday yeah, so. was Friday was two through ten. Uh, Saturday was eleven through eleven through twenty, something like that. Yeah, right. And yeah, okay. So we had a super regional series with Arizona that weekend. We were the first national seed in Mississippi State history. Uh, heat advisories is like one hundred and fifteen degrees out. And by the way, we have like eighteen eligible juniors, seniors, and redshirt sophomores that are trying to get drafted and the boys are like okay well you know dakota hudson goes first on thursday and he was a shoe in right um because he's he's a staple for the cardinals um and 
Dak could pitch for anybody. Um, he gets picked. Josh gets picked too. And at that point, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I thought it was going to be Atlanta that picked him at five, and then he falls to Tampa at 13. Tampa picks him at 13. I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe I'll get sandwiched into the top 10. They cut a little bonus money from him and maybe slide it to me because that, like, in <laughs> the fantasy world in my head, I'm like, yeah, I, I can get a little extra cash. And um, yeah, that day two, day two, we are, you know, not, um, let's say supposed to, we had a bunch of guys that got, were expected to get picked and didn't. We had three or four get picked and five or six of us that were pretty upset coming into the yard to play the biggest college baseball game of our lives. And Bobby Dahlbeck, I don't, like, yeah, you guys know that name, um, basically beat us by himself. It was Arizona's closer. I think he threw a complete game and gave up one. It was either complete game shutout or complete game and gave up one run. Um, and the boys were like, all right, well, <laughs> that's odd because there's a couple people that are pretty juiced that day. It's the best day of your life. You get drafted and whatever. So we, we go back to day two or day three of the draft coming into the yard again. Like I'm talking like, Heat warning so bad in Starkville that the stadium like overheated or ran out of power or the power just turned off in the seventh inning with 15,000 like on deck. Like it's crazy, man. They, they love sports there and everybody's starting to get picked on day three and I'm walking back into my apartment and I miss a miss a call from an area scout of a number that I didn't didn't really like no no and then my agent texts me right away and goes hey or my advisor at the time goes hey tampa just picked you like by the way it's not going to be atlanta <laughs> later it's tampa um congrats you know I, like <laughs> have a great weekend like cool right <laughs> great day whatever whatever and i show up to the yard and i think i don't know i think i went over four over five like ran some of the hardest 90s of my life <laughs> that last day in college ball um <laughs> just like let me run myself off this field and get ready to pro ball or like let me do everything I can for a hit one more time in Starkville and it just wasn't meant to be man they walked off on us in the super regionals because the home team flopped they walked off walked off on us at our place and obviously you know make the make the college world series finals so like you know, it, it was fine losing to them, but it was a whirlwind of, okay, which team am I going to play for? Am I going to play with Josh? Can I get some of his signing bonus? And can we <laughs> win a college baseball game this weekend? <laughs> it was crazy. That's a whole lot going on. It was a lot. <laughs> Definitely a lot. What was the what was that dynamic like when you guys like played together in the minor leagues? Would you guys like help each other out? Like were you each other's hitting coaches at the same time? Like how what was that kind of like? Um, we were road roommates and home roommates, so we saw each other a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he would throw things at me when I would snore on the road. Um, <laughs> we lived together. Let's see, we did we did spring training because in Tampa. You used to have to stay in the days in until you're 21 or double A or something like that. So we stay in the Port Charlotte days together, then go to Bowling Green, stay in the apartment of Bowling Green together, go on the road in the Midwest League and stay together there too. And then I got moved out like halfway through. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he kind of he kind of scuffled, you know, first full season, uh, everybody's first full season, and especially as a high school kid, like I tell people all the time, like a I couldn't have gone to Mississippi State as a freshman, I would have gotten kicked out and cut. B I couldn't have gotten drafted out of high school, I would have never hit, and I would have been released. Um, you know, it's hard, man. I like and and to watch him struggle the way he did for a little while, and then turn it back on and figure it out it was like okay, like. You know, it's, it's in there, but I don't want to pull it out myself because he needs to pull it out to understand what he's got to do to be the best version of him. Yeah, man, that's, <clears throat> that's a whole lot going on. And I agree with you on the getting drafted out of high school like that, dude, is, is definitely a blessing and kind of a curse because, yeah, you're like – Unless you're absolute, you're you're about to be in for a entire new world of failure and not being very good. Right, right. Like, hey, uh, I know you've been facing high school competition, but here's a a one o'clock game on in Fort Myers uh, in June and July, and the starting pitcher speaks four words of English, doesn't know the sign, throws a hundred. <laughs> Go get him, yep. Chief. Good luck. <laughs> that's so funny. That's the life. They, uh, that's the life. So you were drafted. That was – was that your junior year? Yeah, junior year out of Mississippi State I got picked. Were you drafted before that? No, no. Um, no. I don't know. A couple letters in high school you think are the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> you know, uh Juco a couple looks here and there like I I thought it could have happened and then uh yeah nothing nothing happened there was nobody that really had a desire to have me in their org then and then uh yeah junior year kind of turned around I don't know man I I thought I was gonna get picked a little higher and then I, I didn't really like it's the same same mo that I've had for as long as I've I've had it it's like I could hit but I gotta get the power numbers out and um I didn't like I did, but I didn't, you know? Um, yeah, and I got picked by Tampa. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Was there was there any thought of going back to Mississippi State for uh, your senior year? There was a campaign from the coaching staff. That was for sure. <laughs> um, I'm sure there was. Yeah, you know, like, it, and, and I think it would have been cool. Like, a part of me wishes that I could have spent three years in one place and really developed – a good working a good multi-year working relationship instead of like a one and done situation because I knew you know when I got to Mercer and realized that there were three sophomores out of the 12 that started or 11 that started and realized why my scholarship was a little back-ended back-loaded I was like huh well they must not have good experiences with a bunch of first year guys. And then I get through the year and went, okay, like this just isn't for me. So, you know, uh, three years in one spot would have been nice, but my network is so big now, like I wouldn't change it. One thing I remember, because uh, Brian talked about your, your minor league career and how you absolutely tore it up. In 2018, uh, the Futures game, which is really cool. I, I went to that. It was in DC. And I remember you had, I think you had like the first run of the game or first RBI of the game. Um, what was that experience like? Because you get to be around, not just like, you know, some of the best stars of like American baseball, but you have like international guys, like guys that are household names now, like 
when you think back to 2018 futures game, what was that experience like? Yeah, man, they, they roll out the red carpet for you there. Um, Cause it's obviously at the same, the same venue, same time as the big boys as the major league all-star break home run derby, all that fun stuff. And um, yeah, you know, like the energy's up. There's a lot of great players. There's a lot of guys that know like, all right, you know, pitchers are only going one today. Hitters are only playing three innings, maybe four. Um, you get two at bats maybe. And like, you just get to, you get to do all the booths. It's like a big old convention for prospects. Um, a whole bunch of interviews, baseball, America, all those blogs, those kind of people are there. Um, that was one of the first times that I stayed in a hotel room by myself that somebody else paid for. So, <laughs> you know, that was pretty cool. Uh, a little different from the minor league grind where you're sharing queen beds. Um, you know, it's just, they did a really good job. Uh, Tampa, I, I'm indebted to Tampa for forever for sending me to something like that. Cause you know, I, I wasn't a draft prospect or feel like a prospect at all. I just got hot at the right time and, and wound up being the guy that they wanted to put there. So, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it, man. It was, it was a good experience going and coming back. Um, I think I got two all-star breaks because of that. And that lined up with the Southern league all-star break. So it went from two days off in DC, well, travel day, practice day, we'll travel and practice and then play the next day and then come home. And I got the double A all-star break right after that. So I just went straight to the golf course for like three days straight, you know? And yeah, it was, it was a good experience. My, my family was there, uh, agency was there like and then obviously we, we had a couple of names that were in the the big boy game too so getting getting to see them and kind of feel like I was a little involved was was a really cool piece of you know what could transpire as as I play better before before you said that you're talking about your power numbers and, and getting your power out there a little more what helped you change that and start putting up some of those power numbers when you were, when you were in the minors? Uh, the minor leagues was just all about like getting back to catching it out front, you know? And I still feel like even when things were going good in the minor leagues, like I, I never really dominated fastballs. Like I just did what I was supposed to with them, you know? And whether it's a, whether it's a jam ball in the gap that finds the grass and keeps going or, a backside, a backside line drive that just carries a little bit. I feel like I had a little more freedom. Um, you know, maybe it was my, maybe it was my planning. Obviously competition level has something to do with it. You face higher end guys or the top end guys here that if you get to two strikes, they will put you away. Um, maybe, maybe there was the edge was a little different because it was double a, you know, um, but I think there were just some simple things as far as like catching it out front that just really let the ball travel the way it was supposed to. And, you know, maybe talking through it with you guys or just thinking about it in general, be able to help me get it back out there again. Yeah, dude, I think that for me going through the same thing right now is like my homers are down here and mm. the catching out in front is a, is a big, I think that's, the biggest thing because sometimes here it's harder because everybody throws a splitter and they're tough mm. to distinguish between fastball splitter and 
most guys throw like a 68 mile curveball to go with their 92. So you have that like that in the back of your mind. And it can just, if you're not totally committed to that fastball and being on time to catch that fastball out in front, I feel like you're just fucked. <laughs> you're just screwed. Like you really, I mean, you might, you can jam some like, but you're not going to drive the ball with authority. If you're, if you're worried about all those things, like you're saying, you know, if you catch if you're trying to work out in front, I think you're going to see stuff better and you're going to have more of those, those power numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Count leverage, count leverage is a, is a great tool that I feel like a lot of people overlook, you know, um, probably yesterday, yesterday was the first day that I really, really started to, I didn't play. So of course it's easier on the bench. Um, yesterday's the first day where I really got some information that I feel like I can make a better plan with, um, because our, our guys over here are big on my move and big on my setup and big on like the way things get to the ball, you know, and um, that's something that I'm having to work with and then compartmentalize at 705 and realize like, okay, like, I don't really care what my hip does, like is the barrel on the baseball. And, you know, it, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Um go I went through a pretty good pretty good week last week and you know like I, I feel like I feel like I'm at the point where it's time to uh time to kind of drive the ball again and not kind of it's time to drive the ball again because you know we need to make a push here get going into the into the halfway point which is crazy it's a month and a half away and then uh keep rolling and have a good second half so it's just you know just part of part of what it takes to be a complete big league player uh, we talked about your minor league career. I, I want to jump ahead to your major league debut in, in 2019 with Tampa. I think it was sure. like the end of April, but like, what do you remember about the day? What do you remember about the, the, the call you got to go up to the big leagues? Like, can you take me through that? Yeah. Um, we had a weird roadie in AAA. We, we went from like somewhere warm to Columbus, Ohio, and took the coldest bird scooter ride of my life to the field thinking like, yeah, that's going to be okay. Dude. I I'm pretty sure we went to, I'm pretty sure we went to Gwinnett before saw the doctor in Gwinnett and like six guys either had the flu or bronchitis, like something, something bad going through the clubhouse and um, <clears throat> rainy and cold and then hot in Gwinnett and then freezing cold in Columbus. Everybody's sick. Get back from Columbus, take two flights because you had to connect. And we get to the airport and Brady Williams uh pulls me aside and goes hey you know, like wh what are you doing I'm like what am i doing <laughs> like i live closer to the airport than i do to the field so i'm about to get in this uber and go home and he's like well come here oh here we go and i was hey you know like you're going to the big leagues yeah okay that's cool <laughs> hey you're going to the big leagues i'm like yeah sure for sure but you know it doesn't set <laughs> Like it doesn't set in, you know, until you, until you're packing and getting on the airplane and staying up for 47 hours straight. And like, yeah, like it's something you can't really, can't really describe that well until you experience it. And yeah, I get to take the first class flight in the morning from Raleigh Durham to Kansas city. And like, I, you know, you sleep three hours the night before I call my parents call my parents and my mom didn't know the difference between like do not disturb and airplane mode so 
her phone's off my dad's phone's off like i had to call the hotel i had to call the hotel two or three times because aaron montgomery seeing my brother say hey go knock on my parents door like i promise you need to knock on their door it's not an emergency but it's an emergency like it's not a not an ailment but they need to know like hey i'm going to the major leagues tomorrow i want you guys like to know this and if you can be there like you should be there finally got in touch with a man uh like get to the show in kansas city day of like pretty gloomy kind of cold and like i'm holding my bat up right holding my bat up on deck and my left forearm's like catching you know like you finish a good finish good lift and your your certain spots start cramping up and like i like sick man um you know can't pull the trigger on the first pitch i see because I'm obviously <laughs> trying to see it. And, like, I, I think I took ball one in off the plate. I'm like, yeah, I, pretending like I saw that good. And you, you just, like, you just don't see it. <laughs> like, whoever it was behind the dish, what Perez or Maldonado, one of those guys in KC, like, throwing it back to the pitcher. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, psych. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hit a double. I had a double. I think I went one for four. Um yeah, it's still like it, it. I don't know. I love watching. I love watching the video, but it hurts like to look at that guy. And be like, wow, <laughs> that was really me. <laughs> but yeah, man, I I I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. Um, my brother actually had an off day, so he got to come out and uh, see. I, I don't even remember. I think he saw. He got there in like the fifth or sixth of the debut game and I just hit a double I was on second base and you got to see it but yeah uh Kansas City April in 2019 and then I got got two weeks and then I got thrown into the shuffle so that's uh that's the way options work and especially (laughs) with a team that mix and matches and like Tampa does and gets the right pieces in for right series um yeah it was it was a roller coaster after that but yeah I, I I had a great experience with them as a whole. Like people wise, they were so good to me. And obviously any chance that I get to play in the big leagues, make it through the system and play in the big leagues is something you got to be grateful for. So yeah. Kudos to Tampa. Appreciate them. Did your parents eventually like, did they make it to the the debut game or? Yeah. 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 They did. Yeah. It was a mess. (laughs) It was a mess, but they were there. Um. Brian, anything from your debut that kind of stands out? My day, my was a debacle too. They were, uh, I was in, I'll try to tell it quick. I was in Philly. I went back home. We were about to play in Lehigh Valley and they were busing from Louisville overnight. So we had a, we played a Sunday day game. We were off Monday. That's when they were busing. So I flew back to my parents' house Sunday after the, the game in, in Louisville because they're 40 minutes from Lehigh Valley. So uh, sitting on the couch the next morning, Monday morning, or Monday, it was like 2 o'clock Monday, eating a chicken cheesesteak from my favorite place, very stereotypical. And uh, (laughs) my manager called me, and he was like, they knew that I was – he's like, are are you in Philly? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, shit. And I was like, what? You're active for the fucking Cincinnati Reds tonight in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati is – an hour and a half from Louisville drive. <laughs> so if that, that wouldn't have 
been there like about to leave on a bus. So it wouldn't have been a big deal if I was there, but because I was in Philly and it was already two o'clock in the afternoon, they were playing at seven, made it a little harder to, to get there. Did but you uh, yeah, it was flu. It wouldn't have, it was, yeah, literally like, and parents were there. So that was cool. Mm. They got to, you know, they literally got to tell them as I was on the phone saying that I was going and, uh, they were just like my, my trainer who's our trainers double as like the, uh, travel guys in the minor leagues. So my trainer was like, just start driving to Philly airport and I'll tell you what the, the flight is. And yeah, I landed, I landed in Cincinnati at like seven fifteen, and I got there in like the fourth inning of the game. And, uh, luckily Luis Castillo was pitching and was shoving and they put up some runs early. So. I was, I think I, I think I was on deck to pinch hit in the bottom of the eighth and we made the last out. So I didn't end up debuting that night, but that was, yeah, that was my first active night. But yeah, a little bit of a scramble, a little bit of scramble there too. But like you said, it doesn't matter. It's all, it's all worth it. But uh, I know I, we're going to fast forward. I know uh, when you got traded to the Rangers, it's bittersweet, but I know, like you said, Tampa is such a great place and such great people, and, and that's who drafted you and you debuted with. But you knew you were going to get the opportunity to play instead of being in that kind of shuffle. How excited were you to to know you were going to get an opportunity like that? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Like, you know, when, when Eric or whoever was – Eric Neander, whoever was involved with making that move, like, you know, it finally pulled the trigger and – JD and, and CY and the, the front office over here figured out that, uh, you know, I could potentially be a role player for this team. Like, you know, it's, it's something you dream of, you know, having a chance to be an everyday big league player and, you know, it's still things that you need to get better at, but I, I mean, I got to play whatever it was. I think I got to play in 157 games last year. Um, I get to, I got to start like 152 of them or 150 and, that's something you dream of. You, know, you got to figure out like what your body's got to do, what your brain's got to do. Like the tasks of being an everyday big leaguer, like is something that not everybody's prepared for and not everybody's even good at. And you know, I, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that I was even good at it my first full season, but the, this team over here had a need for a first baseman and a need to, a need for me to kind of step up and do some things. And there's still a need there. So you know, it's a, it's just one of those process things of, of being thankful for being the right guy at the right time and, and winding up in the right place. So, you know, if I, uh, if I get to play for Texas and play first base for the Texas Rangers for as long as I can, that'd be great. Or if they have other plans and I need to go somewhere else or they want somebody else to do it, then it is what it is. But, you know, I, I take that with a grain of salt every day, like just to, to remind myself to be thankful that, you know, even though last year I had to go through it on, every like every level you had to go through it offensively defensively in the clubhouse and obviously in the win-loss column um it's going to be it's going to be something special when this team puts together and starts clicking on all cylinders because you know we got a lot of pieces that are not necessarily rolling the way they want to and and um you know we're really far from peak performance as an organization so yeah hopefully we'll keep putting things together and and see more success on the field and you know, it's, it's a great place to play. Texas is awesome. Yeah. That, that stadium's sick, first of all. And 
before I'll let Jay finish this, finish this all up in a minute here. But like I said before, we got to, I got to ask you about my guys, Donnie Ecker and Cody Atkinson. Donnie Ecker has to have the best title in all of professional baseball. I believe it's offensive coordinator, which is when that, when I saw that, I'm like texting, I'm like, no way. Donnie, Donnie Ecker is, I, well, the offensive coordinator, but I guess hitting coach too now with Texas J. He was the assistant hitting coach for me when I was in Cincinnati. Um, really smart dude, really good dude. Knows what he's talking about. Um, and Donnie, I'm sorry, Cody Atkinson. What is he? He's the director. I mean, what minor league? Overseas, all uh, minor league. I think he's the head honcho for the minor leagues. Like he's he yeah, is the hitting. minor league hitting coordinator. Him and Donnie are are good friends, and and Cody was basically a rover with the Reds when I was there too. Um, so I hung around with him. I still talk to him fairly often. Very very good dude, but. What's uh, what's the fa- what's your favorite thing one of them has has given you so far? Probably Don. The Don, man. Um, I don't know, man. We tried we tried a whole bunch of different things. You know, it went from it went from spring training, like all right, hey, let's uh, let's kind of set the base really narrow and um, ride it out a little bit, and then I don't know. I thought that was gonna I thought that was gonna be able to keep me centered and keep me behind the ball a little better. And then um, probably the last three weeks, we've been deciding we needed to try and widen everything out um, and stay more stable. Um, I don't know. We, he does a lot of he does a lot of overtraining stuff as far as like foam balls and big shapes and like really high speeds and you know like it, it's uh, it's good for the eyes to train stuff like that. So it, it's just something different here and there from week to week, from task to task. Um, it's just he he morphs with us and and kind of changes the way that we need to change and uh, yeah I, he's good at keeping it light good at uh, getting better together as far as when we need to say something when we don't need to say something and you know it's just part of a, a working relationship and a growing relationship to just try and get the best out of each other. I love it. All right, so. I mean, I've always really enjoyed following the Texas Rangers, even growing up, just like the biggest Michael Young fan ever. So like oh, to yeah. see them this past off season, like spend the kind of money that they did on Seager and Simeon, like what kind of like message did that send to the locker room? It was great, man. When you commit half a bill to the middle infield, like, you know, it's pretty promising because I mean, you look at the stadium or if you've been to the stadium, you know, they have the money. Like it's, <laughs> it's all there. If you look at all the Valley sports or Choctaw or whatever the big donors are, all that stuff, like the money's there. So it's nice to see it kind of like trickle onto the field. And, and now to see like where we're at payroll wise compared to where we could be payroll, right? Payroll ugh, English payroll wise. Like we're, I think we're still a middle third market as far as spending goes. And if we get to an upper third or maybe top five or really pay some pitchers, um, not that our staff's bad now, but like there is no limit to where this team could go. Like we play, we play in an electric factory some nights. So we get a big crowd in there Friday, Saturday, Sunday day games. We'd usually do pretty well. Um, we get some momentum going and then play well on the road. Like this, this Rangers team is dangerous. We got a bunch of guys that, you know, are making names for themselves or making resurgences or who are 
you know, bonafide superstars and it's a good mix in the clubhouse. There's nobody that's sticking out like a sore thumb. We got guys that get along with each other and want the best for everybody. So, you know, that's, um, it's a pretty fun place to be. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys had a great month of May. It's like top five at home runs. It's been really fun to keep up with it, but like, what, like, what's it like playing with Corey Seager? He just seems like the coolest dude ever. <laughs> Seager is a robot. Um, oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, but I'm, you know, he's a good guy. He's just, he's just locked in. Like, uh, you know, it's what it takes to, it's what it takes to be the best. And he knows that. And, you know, he's not really, not really missing pitches. He doesn't want to take a pitch. Um, it, like a running joke here and there, somebody in the dugout, yeah, all right, all right, see you. Let's uh, let's see a couple pitches, you know, because he's swinging at the first pitch. Um, you throw the rosin bag at him, he'd probably try and swing at that. Um, but that, you know, that's what it takes. The guy's obviously leading, leading all major league shortstops and homers, like just hit another one last night, crushes the ball at Globe Life Field. Um, I tried to, I tried to jazz him a little bit before we got started for the first game of the year because. Corey's played whatever it was, 20 postseason games at, at Globe Life, or maybe even less than that. He's got like seven or eight homers. And I played 81 home games at Globe Life, and I have seven or eight homers. So <laughs> I'm trying to get on him and say, hey, you know, like let's let's make it interesting. Like whatever the homer differential is, like we'll throw a hundred bucks on each one. Uh thinking like, you know, maybe I crank out 15, 16 at home this year and things are pretty good. And I've hit one homer at home so far this year. So <laughs> I got, I got my work cut out for me. And to be honest, I, not, yeah, I think he's doing fine. <laughs> but yeah. He's good, man. He, he's on top of it defensively. He's on top of it. He does his own thing with his routine, his routine works. So, you know, he's, he's going to be really good for us for a long time. That's so much fun. All right, I just had a couple quick rapid fire questions uh, as sure. per custom. Uh, so your Instagram, it's really cool. You have a bunch of really cool photography stuff on there. Like how did you uh, get into you. that and, and what kind of camera do you use? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I got, I kind of, I kind of hit a point where you realize that so many people put things on the internet just to put things on the internet and hide behind a fake profile to, you know, make themselves feel good. And Instagram, I think originally, was designed for sharing artwork and sharing uh, pictures and visual, you know, things that appeal to people visually. And I remember when, when it first came out, like I, I tried to make a point to take a picture of every college field that I played at that summer on my 1600, 1600 team. And then it got to the point where I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I forgot yesterday. So let me Google a picture and post it. And <laughs> it was all about like just putting pictures on the profile. So you know, I, I got a Sony camera. I had a Nikon camera before that. Um, easy to use, but I wasn't crazy about it. Sold it, traded it, got a Sony camera. And then actually last week, I just got a Leica camera, which is a total cheater camera. But um, yeah, I, I, the colors on it are amazing. The sensor is amazing. Like I haven't posted in a while just because I, I haven't taken a ton of pictures, but that's probably coming up soon. I, I think I, I got a couple, couple new, a uh, couple new posts coming through and uh, yeah. I just, I want to keep it, I want to keep Instagram for what it is, which is an art sharing platform instead of like a look at me, look at me platform. It's the coolest stuff ever. Yeah. At under, at uh, Nathaniel underscore low for anybody who wants to follow him on Instagram. It's, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, 
So in Tampa, you play with Brandon Lau. Did that ever get confusing for people? And would you ever get like mistaken for siblings? All the time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll go places still. And, uh, you know, Brandon's so got it. Brandon's an all-star. And in the all-star game, I think Joe Buck said Brandon Lowe. And I know he got mad. Oh, my God, he got mad. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. Josh and I are going nuts over there. Um, and players around the league, too, like, they they ask me all the time, like, so, so which one's your brother? Which one's not your brother? Like, what – are you Nathaniel or Nate? How's Brandon related? Is he not related? And like, yeah, that's, that's, that's standard questions for me. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad thing to be mistaken for. Yeah. All-star second baseman, Brandon Lau. Yeah. 39 um, homers last year for the little guy. The guy's got thump. He's got juice. He's got yes. juice. It's, it's insane. So you mentioned your one home run at home this year, but it was a walk-off. Did, did you see the incredible catch that the kid made in the, and just like the very wholesome moment him and his father had after? Uh, yeah, the hug and then the, the pure joy of, hey, <laughs> I caught a home run ball. Hey, I caught a walk-off homer. Like, I'm here with my dad. Like, he'll never forget that. Or whoever he was there with, you know, whatever relationship that was. But, you know, that's a, that's a memory you never forget for your entire life. And, you know, to be able to, like, help create that memory is like part of what makes this game come full circle we realize like at the end of the day we are entertainers and people pay money to to watch us like put on a show and that's just that's just what it's about is is a positive ballpark experience like obviously winning games is paramount to everything else but when you can when you can make people happy along the way like it's part of why it's the coolest job ever it's the best yeah shout out that kid and his dad uh, all right. Last question was, uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh. <laughs> I love the reactions to this question. I don't know, <laughs> man. I really don't. Cause like, it could be baseball. It could be life. It could be whatever. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't have one quote that sticks out or one like, I don't know, like a scripture or a quote or a inspirational something like it's something different all the time. You know, like I think I think something that stuck with me the most is um, I got I got the chance to play with Emilio Bonifacio in, in AAA in Durham. And, you know, the guy's 150 years old and he's played for 17 teams and he, he's still he's still busted down the line. He runs a hard 90. He, he's a pro in the clubhouse. And I think he, he told me his favorite first baseman that he ever played with was Eric Hosmer because Hosmer is the same guy every day, regardless of whether he's playing, whether he's not playing, whether he's playing well or playing poorly and shit, I'd smile too for 105 mil. So <laughs> um, good friend of the pod, Eric Hosmer. Yeah. How about that? Um, yeah. So I think that, I think that realizing through Bonnie that um, guys don't really care as much. Like, yeah, it's cool if you're a good player. It's cool if you're having a hot streak, but being a teammate and being there for the boys, like is part of what makes this fraternity so special and, and part of what makes this the greatest job ever, because, you know, you get guys from all walks of life that have families, don't have families, guys that come from a lot and come from nothing. And we all come together around the game to enjoy like, you know, what, what kind of gifts it can bring for us and what kind of lessons you can learn long-term. So being a good teammate, being the same or trying to be the same every day is, is part of what, um, what I think one of the most important lessons I've learned from this game is. 
Nate, thank you so much for joining us, dude. This was awesome. It was great to catch up. And, man, I'm always checking checking out how you're doing, checking the box score, and I'll be rooting for you, dude. And thank you again, man. It's been a lot of fun. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.